Blog Talk Radio. And hello out there to all you Brooklyn folk. This is Sam Maxwell, and you are here with the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, the 96th episode to be exact. And without further ado, let's get right to it. Ron Schweiger, who has been a guest on many a podcast, is the Brooklyn Borough historian, and he continues our tour around Brooklyn, looking at some of the neighborhoods that, that uh, have been you know, around since the Dutch settled. So without further ado, Ron, thank you for joining us today. 
Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here again with you, Sam. So I wanted to go downtown to um, Borum Hill, which is uh, rather rather a small section of it. But, you know, I thought we could kind of talk about some of the surrounding areas, Brooklyn Heights, Cobble Hill as well. Uh, but it's such an interesting name. If you could kind of just go into the history uh, of where the name comes from and, and some of, you know, how, how it got into, uh, have, you know, being that, that section of Brooklyn. Well, first of all, uh, the name Barham comes from the Barham family. Uh, it's spelled B-O-E-R-U-M. And um, the Barham family actually farmed the area way back when, during the colonial period, uh, in the uh, uh, 1600s, 1700s, and so on. And, um, and gradually, um, the farming began to disappear as development started to come, out, come about, and the developments primarily were in the brownstone uh, architectural style. And, in fact, where you mentioned Cobble Hill, Borum Hill, um, Brooklyn Heights. Those areas are very, very close to, uh, I'm going to say, New York City. All right? Keep in mind that Brooklyn and, and New York City were separate cities prior to 1898. So the brownstones were developed because of their proximity to get to New York City prior to 1898, because remember, Brooklyn, separate city. Um, and the area, um, is, like you mentioned, is a small area, Borum Hill. It's adjacent to Cobble Hill. And, uh, and incidentally, in Cobble Hill, there's a street called Amity Street, A-M-I-T-Y. And uh, on Amity Street, lived a lovely young woman. Her name was Jenny Jerome. And uh, Jenny's father, Leonard Jerome, um, was one of the owners of the Sheepshead Bay racetrack here in Brooklyn, beginning around the 1879, 1880, 1881, up until around the turn of the century. And uh, um, Jenny, lovely young lady, as I mentioned, she was introduced to a handsome English gentleman named Lord Randolph Churchill, and they fell in love and got married, eventually moved to England, and Jenny from Brooklyn gave birth to Winston Churchill, of all people. And many people are totally unaware of the Brooklyn connection to uh, Winston Churchill. And interestingly, so he did not mother, have a Brooklyn accent. His mother was a Brooklyn, his mother was a Brooklyn-born uh, lady. Um, whether she was Brooklyn-born or not, I don't know. But I know that she did live in okay, Brooklyn, okay. in Cobble Hill, which wow. is next to Borum Hill. And uh, she gave birth to Winston Churchill, of course, one of the um, premier people during World War II. Yeah, that's, that's a, a pretty interesting connection. You know how they say that one in six Americans can – trace their roots back to Brooklyn, but so can uh, one prime minister <laughs> of... <laughs> well, you know, that, um, that one in that, six that, you mentioned, those numbers keep changing. Um, originally, I was told it was one in seven, and now you say it's one in six. Um, I've heard it as one in ten. Um, th there's no way to actually pre uh, say what the odds are, but the odds are high that one in... X number of Americans do have some sort of roots to Brooklyn. 
whether born here or lived here or live elsewhere but have relatives that came from Brooklyn. So, uh, again, the numbers can be whatever you want them to be, but the number is pretty high. It certainly is. So, Borum Hill, looking at the map right now, uh, once the, the, the canal starts, uh, that's all, that becomes Gowanus, correct? Yeah, um, the Gowanus Canal, and uh, for people who are not familiar with the Gowanus Canal, it is um, um, a highly polluted waterway, which um, in, the, in its day, in its heyday, was a very part of a very big industrial complex of factories and so on. And in those days, a lot of the quote-unquote stuff from the factories was just dumped into the canal, and it became a very polluted uh, body of water. Um, uh, many, most of those factories are gone now, but the, the canal remains pretty much polluted. Um, and of all things, um, the area is now becoming gentrified. Um, a Whole Foods market opened up right next to the uh, canal, um, and the high rises are going up, and uh, people are moving into uh, the new housing that's going in there. So it's uh, it's relatively a new residential and commercial area right along the canal itself, which is adjacent to Carroll Gardens and Barham Hill. So it's right underneath Borum Hill, and of course, uh, and looking at it, it says the old stone house from Brooklyn is basically right around the corner at the edge of Park Slope. So if you were a Dodger fan uh, around the time that these brownstones were, were getting built, uh, you know, turn of the century, you're, you're able to walk to the ballpark. That's right. Now, you said Dodger fan. You've got to be more explicit, Sam. It's Brooklyn Dodger fan. Because some people who might Charlotte be listening Dodgers. will think Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a ballpark called Washington Park, which was right next to Carroll Gardens um, and, and the Gowanus area, pretty close to Park Slope as well. And um, there, the old stone house, um, was the original one, was built in 1699 by Cornelius Vecht, uh, V-E-C-H-T-E, and it was eventually sold to a member of the Cordelieu family. Now, people who are listening, probably never, many of the people listening may ne- ne- have never heard of Cordelieu, but if you live in Brooklyn, it's not Cordelieu, it's Cortelieu, and in Flappers, you have Cortelieu Road, but the correct, pr- correct pronunciation is Cordelieu, and Jacques Cordelieu was the first member of that family that came here in in the early 1650s, and um, he was a um, a um, a tutor for the children of a Mr. and Mrs. Warkoven, and um, and Mr. Warkoven was in the process of buying land from the local Indians to establish a new Dutch village known as New Utrecht because the Dutch came from the village of Utrecht in the Netherlands. Well, Mr. Werkhoven died before the transaction was completed. But with his wife's permission, Jacques Cordelieu, the tutor who was, who was educated as a surveyor, 
Mr. Workhoven's wife gave him permission to complete the transaction of the purchase of the land. And Jacques Cordelieu actually mapped out the village of New Utrecht, one of the five Dutch towns in the original settlement by the Dutch here in Brooklyn. Many people are unaware of that. It's it's fascinating because, and I believe you might have mentioned this on another uh, podcast, but I had trouble even conceptualizing saying Cortelieu. Is that correct? <laughs> Did I do it right? It's Cortelieu. 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 And uh, uh, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting um, two members of the Cortelieu family and their spouses and took them around um, Cortelieu Road. Um, I'll use the, the Brooklynese, Cortelieu Road. Um, in fact, I met them at the Cortelieu Road station of the Q train and um, took them around Victorian Flatbush. And then I took them to the old stone house, which is on Fifth Avenue and Third Street in the Park Slope Gowanus area. And that stone house, which I mentioned earlier, it was built in 1699, and it was the site of the Battle of Brooklyn the first and biggest battle of the Revolutionary War following the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And um, later on, uh, well over 150 years later, during the um, 1880s, there was a baseball field over there called Washington Park, named after George Washington, because he witnessed the Battle of Brooklyn which took place at the Old Stone House in August of 1776. And the Stone House became a clubhouse for the Brooklyn Baseball Club, which eventually became the Brooklyn Dodgers. And Charles Ebbets, who eventually owned the team, started out as a sweeper of the floors at Washington Park and a ticket seller, and eventually... He became um, president of the team. And, um, again, the house was the clubhouse for the Brooklyn Baseball Club. But the Old Stone House eventually housed different generations of the Cortelyou family. So when I met the uh, Cortelyous about two or three years ago, I took them to the Old Stone House, and they were totally unfamiliar with their family's lineage uh, here in Brooklyn, and they were thrilled. The house today is a museum open to the public. It's uh, from September to June. They have school groups coming in there, learning the history of the Revolutionary War and of the Brooklyn Baseball Club that became the Dodgers. And there's a whole wall showing you the uh, the lifeline generations of the Cortelio family that grew up and lived in that house. And incidentally, the house was eventually torn down um, right around the turn of the century. Then by the 1930s, during the Depression, um, the um, borough president of Brooklyn, Mr. J.J. Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E, there was a program for the go- in the government called the WPA, Works Progress Administration, during the Depression, to give out-of-work Americans work in helping restoring America during these tough times in the 1930s. And one of these projects was to build a park and playground right where the old stone house used to stand. Well, during the excavation, 
to, for the playground, the old stone house, the original stones were uncovered. And fortunately, someone over there knew exactly what these things were, and the old stone house was rebuilt with most of the original stones from the 1699 house. And today, that is still standing there, and it's, again, a museum open to the public. See, I, I don't think I realized that it was um, had to be reassembled. Yes, yes. There, there were photographs that were taken during the 1930s that show the excavation and the and the and the, um, the house being rebuilt. Oh, that's great. Um, what Cortelius uh, Street or Cortelius Road? Where where is it located exactly? Road. Okay, Cortelio Road um, stretches from right around McDonald Avenue on the west, going uh, through the okay. Kensington neighborhood, then heading east through Flatbush, past Stratford Road, Westminster, Argyle, Rugby, Marlboro, Buckingham, um, and you got the um, east. Uh, 16th Street, East 17th, 18th, 19th, then you have Ocean Avenue, and could tell you where it goes, right, keep going east, it goes all the way into East Flatbush, right past Holy Cross Cemetery, and I'm not sure exactly where it ends, um, but um, in Holy Cross Cemetery, Gil Hodges, who was the Brooklyn Dodgers' first baseman, is buried yes. in Holy Cross Cemetery, right alongside Cortelia Road. Of course. Yeah. Okay, so so I see it. It's actually right near where I have an apartment. Come to think of it. Oh, okay. Um, so how come how come that was designated that street? Was there any particular Cortelio reason? Well, um, there were other members of the Cortelio family later, members of the generation, the generations of the Cortelio family. Uh, Jacques Cortelio was the very first one. And later on, you had um, Isaac uh, Cordelieu, and um, um, let's see, there was, I think there was a David Cordelieu, um, and there were, there were other members. And um, if you go um, in, in which direction, if you go west, um, you eventually end up getting closer and closer to where the Dutch village of New Utrecht um, used to be, uh, like New Utrecht Avenue. All right, you're, you're heading in that direction. So that's where um, uh, Cortelio happens to, that's where the name comes from. And of course, Ditmas Avenue is the okay. next street over. You have Dorchester Road, Ditmas Avenue, and Ditmas is named after the Ditmas fa family. But the original name was Ditmarsum. Ditmarsum. And eventually, here in Brooklyn, it got to be known as Ditmas. But if you live in Queens, you've heard of Ditmars Boulevard. Well, it's the same family. Other members of the Dittmarsum family settled in the Queens area. And for whatever reason, in Brooklyn, Dittmarsum became Dittmars, and in Queens, it became Dittmars. Huh. Go figure. I bet you it's an, it's an accent thing. Uh, it could be. <laughs> in Brooklyn, it's Dittmars. In Queens, yes. it's Dittmars. Yes, D-I-T-M-A-S. Uh, yeah. Now, getting back to, you know, the Barm Hill, Cobble Hill area, yeah, it's um, yes. the 
um, the neighborhood, uh, by the way, Carroll Gardens, is named after, um, I forgot his first name, but Mr. Carroll was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And he is the only Catholic signer of the Declaration of Independence. Huh. So that's where the name Carroll Gardens comes from. And um, one of the and main that, commercial that one, streets. Yeah, that one is just to the southwest of, of Burnham. Yeah. Um, one of the main uh, commercial streets um, that border Borham Hill and, Ca- and Carroll Gardens and Cobble Hill um, is um, Atlantic Avenue. And Atlantic Avenue, um, well, a number of years ago, it was like the antique center of Brooklyn. You had antique stores. Um, uh, Coney Island Avenue also in the Flappish area had uh, quite a few antique stores. Most of those are gone now. And Atlantic Avenue, a lot of the antique stores are gone. There are still some remaining. Um, but um, one of the most popular places on Atlantic Avenue is Sahadi Imports, S-A-H-A-D-I. And it's, they are the largest direct importers of Middle Eastern food on the east coast of the United States. And the, um, the Sahadi family has been there since the turn of the century. And um, it is very well known all around for the foods and spices that they import from, from the Middle East. Now, when you say the turn of the century, you mean the turn of the 20th century? Yes, turn, yes. when I refer to the turn of the century, it's not the, the most recent turn of the century. It's the, the previous one, from 1899 to 1900. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's a remarkable, uh, that's, that's uh, really a remarkable stretch run of yeah. the family. That's really and one of the, by the way, one of the biggest street fairs, one of the biggest street fairs, in New York City is going to be taking place later this month. It's an annual event, and it's called the Atlantic Antic on Atlantic Avenue, and it's held on the last Sunday in September, and uh, it offers food, entertainment, a lot of neighborhood information, and, of course, a lot of information about Carroll Gardens, Cabo Hill, uh, Borham Hill. Those communities all border right along Atlantic Avenue. And it's a, it's a, the street fair stretches for many, 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 many blocks along Atlantic Avenue. And that's the last Sunday of this month of September. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing that oh, for uh, well, over, over 30 here. years. Anybody within Brooklyn, be, uh, make sure to venture all the way down there at the end of this month. Um, yeah. And by the way, yeah, a lot of these shop owners along Atlantic Avenue uh, and the restaurants are a lot of the grandchildren of the Lebanese and Syrians who moved there from Lower Manhattan in the 1940s. And, um, and that's why you have a lot of these Middle Eastern restaurants and, and like Sahadi that's been there for a very long time, longer than the 1940s, way longer. It's remarkable how we can start in such a small corner of Brooklyn, and it can bring us all around the entire borough almost. Uh, it, right. it's, it's pretty amazing. So if, 
if you can if you can take us home with uh, with Borum Hill, you know, uh, some of your last thoughts uh, on the neighborhood. Well, well, it was settled um, mostly by middle class tradesmen, small businessmen, politicians who built um, three and four story row houses and uh, and brownstones. Um, a lot of them are built in the Greek Revival and Italianette style. Um, and uh, uh, Dean Street, one of the streets there, is part of a five-block historic district. So that block along Dean Street is landmarked now by the New York City Landmarks Commission. And there are other streets that have been landmarked also. Um, it's, um, uh, also, there are housing projects right nearby. Um, that right border on the Barham Hill area. And um, so a lot recently, more Middle Easterners have moved in. Um, um, a lot of Asians have moved in recently, some Hispanic. Um, and in the 1970s, Barham Hill started drawing people from Manhattan, um, especially from the West Village area, because one, it's pretty close to get to Manhattan from there, cause, and it's also um, the rents and the prices of the homes to purchase were cheaper than in Manhattan, and that started in the 1970s. And, how and if you, by the way, if you look at some old maps, you'll notice that section of Borham Hill, Cobble Hill, um, and Carroll Gardens, you'll notice on some maps, it calls that area South Brooklyn. And the reason is that was the southern end of the city of Brooklyn, the original designation of the city of Brooklyn in 1834. Huh. And anything south of there was not part of the city of Brooklyn. So this area of Borham Hill, Cobble Hill, and um, Cow Gardens was the southern edge of the original designation of the city of Brooklyn when, when the city of Brooklyn was granted a charter by New York State in 1834. And gradually, the other towns and villages uh, of, of Brooklyn, uh, gradually starting in 1855, Williamsburg, Greenpoint, and Bushwick were annexed into the city of Brooklyn. And then later on in the 1890s, the other towns, like Flatbush, Gravesend, Flatlands, and so on, um, New Utrecht. Gradually, all the other towns and villages were annexed into the city of Brooklyn, and by 1897 or 1896, all of what we now call Kings County was actually the city of Brooklyn. And then a, vo a vote took place by the citizens whether or not they wanted to consolidate um, and join and become part of the greater city of New York. And that vote took place in Queens, Manhattan. Well, Manhattan and the Bronx at that time were, were the city of Brooklyn already. So it was Manhattan and, and Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. And the vote took place, and overwhelmingly, they all voted to become part of the greater city of New York. However, and by the way, keep in mind, only men could vote at that time. Women didn't have the right to vote yet. The vote in Brooklyn was so close out of about 100 and, 
let me guess, around 160 or 170,000 votes. The vote passed by only 277 votes to consolidate and become part of the city of New York. And, be, and that, that, the vote was that so close. Like well, I'll tell you, um, a lot of people wanted Brooklyn, a lot of Brooklynites wanted Brooklyn to remain a separate city. They didn't want to become part of New York City. Because remember, when that vote took place, the Brooklyn Bridge had already been built in 1883 to connect the city of Brooklyn to the city of New York, Manhattan. And a lot of Brooklynites wanted to remain an independent city. But what made the vote in Brooklyn pass by such a slim margin was the farmers that were farming still in the eastern and southern end of Brooklyn, like in Canarsie, Flatlands, and um, a lot of the streets at that time in that section of Kings County were still unpaved. They didn't have a modern sewer system, and they wanted to be connected to the New York City water supply, which was upstate in the Catskills and the Croton Reservoir upstate, because a lot of the water supply coming into Brooklyn was coming in from Long Island. And uh, uh, people who are listening right now, if you drive on the Belt Parkway from Brooklyn going into Queens or, for, or Queens into Brooklyn, you know that there's a, an exit for the, uh, con, um, I think it's Conduit Avenue going north, Conduit Avenue going south. And uh, what was Conduit? Well, a conduit was the pipeline bringing water from Long Island through Queens into Brooklyn. And what about Aqueduct Racetrack in Queens just across the Brooklyn border? Well, Aqueduct refers to water. So the water supply coming into a good part of Brooklyn was coming from Long Island, from Hempstead uh, State Park, from Valley Stream State Park, where there were reservoirs. And in times of drought, especially during the summer when the farmers needed water, the water supply was limited. So the farmers' vote to be connected to the New York City water supply was the main reason for the vote passing in Kings County to become part of the city of New York. Interesting. Wow. That is that is really fascinating. And, you know, I always looked at it like it was probably – some sort of manipulation that pushed it over the edge at such a slim margin, but uh, I could see how, you know, you, you need something to get it to that slim margin one way or the other, and, and I, I see where you're coming from. Um, well, I, Ron, as always, we appreciate you coming on to uh, talk about these neighborhoods, and uh, I think I already have in mind our next neighborhood, so I look forward to talking with you about that shortly. Okay, Sam, thanks a lot. Thank you, Ron, and I appreciate all the listeners tuning in today. Have a great one. Happy uh, after Labor Day. Take care.